Welcome back to the Without Context podcast. Uh, my name's Anxiety Lasagna. I'm joined by Deca Volti and Shucky Hat, as per usual. And since I was subjected to and survived Spooky Month last month, it is unofficially Haley Month. So you all have to put up with topics that I've had a hand in picking that are not not so scary. Uh, so this week we're talking about our favorite books because it's National Novel Writing Month and I successfully bullied Sharky into doing it with me, although he informs me he has not yet started. I'm going to start I'm keeping it instead of if I don't do like a number, if I don't do like the word count per day, it gets added on. So when I have time to sit, I'll have like a running word count to to finish so i'm on a uh, 3200 words right now for yeah because it's like 1670 roughly if you want to have a page a day for the 30 days so i don't do the i don't do the the uh writing under pressure unless i'm getting paid for it <laughs> which might come in might come into play here at some point so we'll see my mom <sighs> my mom wrote under pressure she had a paper she has She's doing her master's course right now, so she had like a fifteen-page paper to do, Jesus. and uh, she was working like all day Saturday to get it done. But she's like, I wrote all my notes down before expanding on them. It's only five pages. So been there, like, been there. I was like, I'm not going to do that to myself. <laughs> I have no reason. Yeah, to as have someone a who has degree. has two master's degrees. <laughs> The look of pain. Uh, what was it that we were talking about? How uh, that makes me uh, academically sweaty? Yes. <laughs> That's why we has a, my, He's learned yeah. some gamer terms, apparently. Yeah, I we, grow we're, in we're power leveling every Haley day. up for y'all. Yep. But, but anyway. Uh, yeah. Na- uh, uh, November, National Novel Writing Month. It's going to be a lot of Haley's topics this month. And I'm actually looking forward to it. I'm actually looking forward oh. to writing again. So. I'm excited. But since before we started recording, Decca was talking about how he thinks Sharky's going to flame him for his book choice, we're going to start uh-huh. with Decca. So right. I'm just right. curious. I want to sit back and see the chaos. All right. Um, let me look this up real quick. The podcast is going to hear me crack open a cold one with the boys. <laughs> I'll probably have to edit um, that out. So, uh, there's a game that came out in like 2007, so it's not like 90. It's not like 90 trash like I had been doing in the past. Um, Can that, I just have one yes. moment to express the moment of disappointment I have? And I was like, "It's book," and the first thing you say is, "Well, there was this game that came out in 2007." But he you're did fine. Warn you I'm just it's video game I books. I warned you before we started this recording. I know, but uh, I wanted the people to know. Okay. Uh, Tell us so about anyway, book. the game uh, is called Hellgate London, which is I have the books. I have the trilogy of books. I remember that game. Yeah, it's like uh, it's if you've ever watched anyone play Diablo, uh, it's kind of plays. It plays like that, but much bigger. Like the the proportions are much closer to like third person instead of like top down. My fiance plays Diablo on his laptop, but I don't call it that. I'm like, oh, you're playing Derber. <laughs> You know, it's it's so funny, Haley, because it's like I could draw a Venn diagram of like people who play Diablo and military, and there's like a huge <laughs> overlap, almost a circle. It's, oh man, you're flaming him, and he's not even here to defend. No, himself. I'm not flaming him. It's just I, uh, growing up in my area, uh, there's a lot of naval bases around here, so it's like a lot of my friends when I was on the Magic, the Gathering, like scene, the local scene, and all that. Like a lot of the guys were Navy guys, and it's just a lot of them are big fucking nerds. <laughs> so. My guy's a Navy guy, so it tracks. <laughs> but Decca, I'm so sorry. I keep, no, you're keep interrupting you. Um. So this trilogy of books happens uh, over the course of a few years in the town of London. Or, well, country, London, whatever. whatever. I don't care about the British. Um, <laughs> you will know over time. I am brown. I don't care about it. It's just so funny. Anyway. I embarrassed myself again. I think I left my phone in the bathroom. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> You're anyway, fine, buddy. Continue. Um, Chaos. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the, the back the back uh, covers for these uh, books real quick. Um, It says London, 2038. 
The once great city lies in ruins. A massive gash in the fabric of our reality roils against the horizon as it blends into a permanently darkened sky. The world as we know it has come to an end. I love this expression. Demons, the visions of our nightmares, walk the earth. Mankind, driven to retreat in the sanctuary of the underground, struggles to survive this hellish apocalypse. Haley, I just want to ask, did the word gash you? <laughs> <laughs> the massive gash is what really got me. It's like you say that and then like Haley just starts losing her shit. And I'm like, yep. how immature are you? Two masters. Um, means nothing. means absolutely um, nothing. Among the survivors are those who foresaw the coming of the darkness. Those who see it as an opportunity to improve the standing of man, and those who seek revenge for what was lost. All are now banding together in the shadows, arming themselves with futuristic weapons and arcane spells designed for one purpose, battle the demonic hordes, and take back their world. Um, and that's the first book. Um, I think, I, as, if I remember correctly, because it has been a hot minute since I've read these, but I did, like, a refresher or whatever. Um, the first book takes place among the perspectives of, like, a few people. And then the other two are more specific, uh, uh, two different specific people, because, like I said, trilogy. Um, and I don't remember it ending particularly, like, I don't, I won't want to say well, but, like, good enough for the people there. They had, like, an ending. I don't remember it being, like, a great ending, but also, your world has been flipped upside down, so, like, I don't think that's going to happen for a while. Yeah, it's like one of those books where, like, yes, you make progress towards like pushing back the demons or whatever, but like you don't necessarily like you you don't magically save the day. In other words, uh, there's there's like a lot of work between a lot of people who that, it'd that be has like, to happen. It'd be like a zombie apocalypse where they like clear out a city and make it safe, and then build a wall around it, and it's like you still got the rest of them. <laughs> like the country. You, you've you've technically won. Yes, but however, <laughs> there's still a big problem. Exactly how, yeah. Just wait till you need uh, complex supply chains. Yep. But until you realize that manufacturing cannot be done in an inner city area. <laughs> so. Or how are you going to grow like, nu like nutrient-dense food in a city? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, we didn't think this out in you know the long run. You're going to run out of stuff in the lows eventually. There are... You can't eat the plywood, unfortunately. There are two, um, there are two real uh, major factions in this uh, game, in this game, in this, uh, in the book that the book goes over. Uh, there are... Um, God damn it. Give me my yes. face. There are the... It's like the weird, like, a light just above the camera is, like, I think throwing it off. Like... Yeah. The little bit of light that's coming through. There you go. There are the Templars, uh, Templars who uh, saw this. They're like a long order. You know, I don't have to go over the Templar order here, but it's based off of that generic um, Christianity faction. Generic Christianity generic faction. White boy Christianity. Yes, correct. Um, and uh, they've seen this coming over to, over time. They've been preparing. They have. The weapon they've been stockpiling armaments for this year. Honestly, kind of makes religion sound kind of cool, so it's a little unfortunate. Uh, but I'm just. <laughs> but uh, it's it's it is what it is. And the other major faction that is talked about in these books are what are a faction of uh, Kabbalists, who are um, quite literally demon worshippers. Uh, it's like the and they're not necessarily like the bad guys, but they're like the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of situation. And they stump they they make pact with different demons so that they can push these demons back. It's a very interesting, like it's a very interesting situation when you have someone who looks literally like that work with someone who has a bunch of crosses. That is over designed. <laughs> yeah, it is. There was a lot that, going on there. I yep. didn't know where to begin. Those that's those are lights right there. That's some like that's some like Frankenstein shit. <laughs> the he's like going over the head. Those yeah. are lights. And I'm seeing one hand appears to be ice and the other appears to fire. be fire. Yeah. Uh-huh. Shoto Todoroki is quaking. Yeah. 
Shoto Todoroki could never. Shoto Todoroki <laughs> could never. Um, yeah. Um, it overall just, you know, there's, there's, it's, it's political intrigue, and it's, it does a lot of that. Like, maybe the worst person of all was a human this whole time. It looks at the state of the world. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> we didn't need a demon invasion to point that out. Yeah. It it's it's it it does pull a lot of like tropes, but they're solid. I I, I remember reading I, I used to read them all the time when I was like on a plane or something. And I, I could get through the whole trilogy like within my, my flights because I usually if I fly I go cross country. Yeah. So. I tried to read on a plane once. I couldn't do that. So what I'm gonna do uh when I fly out this December, I'm gonna save some podcast episodes and just listen to mm-hmm. those on the flight. Listen to the podcast or an audiobook because I've been paying for Audible for like a year and I haven't looked at the account in like four months. So, um, also, this author is Mel Odom, and that's probably important when we're talking about novels. Um, Maybe. yeah, I don't see, wrote, I don't see there's a running different series of Hellgate London novels with different authors. Sure, just making just checking their gender real quick. Yes, male. Okay, and that's my contribution to this Hellgate. The book's based on it's called based on the new video game from Flagship Studios, which tells you exactly how old these books are. <laughs> it doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> I just, I also don't know a lot about video games. It's just so. demons. <laughs> we love we love demons, uh, but then Sharky. What do you what do you have? What what books what books do you like? I have a few. So. Oh, don't worry, I have a, I have a fat. Oh, I guess I so. could talk about. I guess I could talk about like the books, the type of books that I like to read. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. You, you can do that too. Yeah. Um, we have an hour of content oh, to fill. Just talk. Yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it helps. It helps, but it doesn't have to be a book that I am familiar with, like the properties around it. So like I can maybe stomach my way through Dune now, uh, if I went if I wanted to read like at least the first book. Now that I'm familiar with like the the scenery and whatnot, um, Hellgate London. I had played the game for a while and then I picked up this trilogy of books. So I was like, cool, let's just see what's up. Um, I've read uh, but a, a book. The last book I read that I was like com- I went in completely blind was actually uh, the Hunger Games trilogy, which. It's 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 a book and it's oh, no, oh, no, rich people doing shitty things to to poor people in the apocalypse. Oh, no, a critique of capitalism. Who could have seen this coming? I uh, I have a book series that I want to talk about today, too. That was a uh, going into blind, but mostly it was the cover of the book that caught my attention the most because I was like, this is a blatant like copyright issue. So... (laughs) I'm excited. We'll get, to, we'll get to that. Um, my my favorite genre tends to be like um, I like books that like go places through the chapter. Like I like I like I like movement in in my books. I don't like I don't like there to be a lot of world building. I like you know build the world as you go along, right? Um, so like Tolkien's books, eh, I've read them, but I don't need to hear about every single branch. And why it's important to the story. It's not. Please stop. Yeah. But yeah, those are my contributions to this. I don't know if Tolkien was around the same time as like Dickens and that, but they used to be paid by the word. So that's why there was like an era of novels that were written that were like excessively wordy because authors at the time were being paid by the word. Apparently. I could be wrong. I don't think he was around with Dickens because Tolkien was around the First World he was like, War. Like I was going to say, he was around during World War One um, because he fought. He was yeah. around with he was around with C.S. Lewis, so that was definitely like the nineteen tens or twenties. I may have gotten a five on the AP U.S. History exam, but that was long ago, and I'm still convinced to this day there was some kind of mistake. It was either that or the fact that I was able to <laughs> uh, inter- like put in the origin of the word hooker into one of my essays, and they gave me a five. That's pretty I'm gonna, good. I'm going to settle this right now. 
If okay, if you're saying that they're like World War One veterans, they're definitely not around in the same time as Dickens because he was like the late eight. Well, Dickens the Hobbit, was like late eighteens. The Hobbit was nineteen thirty seven apparently, and the Lord of the Rings book were the fifties. He actually put out Fellowship in Twin Towers or the Two Towers in the same year, and then the third book a year after. Like the he just had man. that shit on command. Smoking crack and cocaine. <laughs> I'm not saying shit. that. I'm not saying that's, that's what he was doing. Almost, was TikTok almost, reference. TikTok reference. I almost called the book series the Twin Towers. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. We are very obvious. I'm very, very obvious. <laughs> anyway, let us let us uh, walk away from that train wreck and put. You want to be put on me? spot sharky or do you want me to talk i'll uh i'll talk but i actually i want to think i think probably with the lord of the rings books he probably finished the first two at the same time and was like probably most of the way done with the third one or something because i can't see him putting out books this long in the same year unless he had them like ready to go so like, i'd say he had that shit on command um yeah. uh he probably did he probably tried to write like a really long book because of where like the fellowship and then the two towers like break breaks off and begins, he yeah. probably like wrote a long ass story. Was like, like and his oh, publishers like no one's gonna fucking read. His publishers like no one's gonna fucking read that. And then they just broke it off right there when where uh where the fellowship like breaks up. Probably. I mean, wiki the wiki page probably has an explanation, but I'm not here to do research. So if I was as somebody who has actually read all those books. Uh, even though I just got through saying I don't like a lot of like, uh, that's probably what happened. So that's why you don't like them. <laughs> yes, I I have You're experience informed. why I don't like them. I, it's an informed opinion. <laughs> it is an informed opinion. So For once in this podcast, I got four books in front of me. There's probably a lot more, but I think these four have been like my favorites in the last few years. Uh, starting off, uh, the Vampire Hunter D books. Ooh. which are a translated uh, Japanese novel series. Um, basically in the same vein as like Conan the Barbarian, where each book is its own like contained adventure of this hero. It's and like Monster the, of the Week situation? Basically. I mean, some books have two parts, uh, but a lot of them are just self-contained to one book. And I mean, elements do carry over from time to time, but it is usually just... Here's what he's doing this time, and then he goes off into the world again. Uh, it supposed, takes place he's in, getting uh, into this time. It takes place in uh, 12,000 AD. It is. It involves, in later novels, uh, full-blown aliens, Cthulhu. But it's weird because it's basically like a sci-fi western centered around vampires. Uh, in the far future, vampires kind of like rule everything, like fiefdoms. And all that using like all this tech using all this like classic uh high tech uh and all that and just this gen i think the first book came out in, like the 80s so it like black cloak wide-brimmed black hat mysterious figure with a sword like rolls into town and handles the vampire problem and then leaves i think there's like 30 novels out though but i don't I don't know like how fast they're translating them. I cannot find a lot of them when I go looking for them in English. But uh, I like it because I like stories like that. I have some Conan books here too. So it's like just these self-contained ideas of somebody showing up somewhere, doing their job, and then leaving. Like it's just a simple premise. You can just be invested in that story. You don't have to like sit and wait for like the next one or the next one to figure out how the story finishes. It's like, oh, he killed the evil wizard and went on his way it's just like yep. very simple like fantasy but uh this series got uh two movies also one in the late 80s and one in like 2008 i think 2002 around that time and uh some of my favorite anime movies i say did what? that come out first or did the manga come out first the novels, was it, it, was, it, was a no, it was a novel first. The mangas were adapted from it. It's always been a novel gotcha. series. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, this is a collection of it, but uh, there's a book series called The Black Company. Mm -hmm. It's a low fantasy story centered around a mercenary company 
and them going uh them being hired to serve as like bodyguards for a sorceress uh and magic users are very rare in this world and this uses like the classic idea of like the wizard's true names not known so they all have nicknames and all that like the whole company has like nicknames just to kind of like describe them and keep it simple and i think if i remember correctly the author had like a brief military stint so like he wrote them as like soldiers would talk to each other like there's no like high formal like language to each other they're just talking like they've been working together for a long time it was a bunch of all these little character interactions and that's pretty much what it's about it's about the company itself and like when they realize like hey this person who hired us isn't that great so why are we doing this and like the moral issues and i think it the books like break up into like a bunch of different trilogies like this one has the first three books which center around them the sorceress and this uh other like young sorceress is going to stop her and then the next one's like hey they're leaving that kingdom and trying to find where their original homeland is because the company itself is older than they are and they came from a land i forget the name of it but they're trying to find where that land is again to return what they call the chronicle which is a book of like all the members their history their stories to like their original homeland and that's where i'm at in the book series right now is starting that trilogy but it's a the low fantasy thing is what got me because i think this is the first like low fantasy book i've read uh where it's like magic was incredibly rare and it's also like kind of did that thing where it's like oh people can just die in this like these these characters aren't safe so <laughs> but that's the one i'm uh listening to on audible and stuff like that and when i have time just getting through that book series because i think nine books are out right now i think i'm started like the fourth or fifth one and he's supposed to have the last book coming out soon i don't know if they have a release date for it yet but it's the last book of that whole thing one I've read recently, Anno Dracula, which has the premise of what if every fictional vampire was actually real? I think you have a type sharky. Uh, kind of. Finding a pattern. Finding a pattern. Books. Yeah. But the premise of this one is the novel Dracula was a recounting of events from the author who was there to experience it. Dracula. It's in Victorian England. Dracula marries Queen Victoria and takes over England and like starts converting the population to vampires because they they write England as being like dark and dreary instead of sunlight. And um England is book, dark and dreary. The book centers around an investigator who's trying who has been hired by some of the like vampire lords to figure out who's been killing them. And the serial killer of that vampire is a silver scalpel, Jack the Ripper. Which was awesome. So I was like, I Interesting. like, I was like, I There's like There's a lot going premise. on here. <laughs> I was like, I like this premise of vampire Victorian England, Jack the Ripper serial killing. You're going to have to like send me a good link for that. Because like a girl might have to go to Barnes and Noble. Yeah, it's a like, Anno Dracula. I think there's like seven books out. I don't remember, but I have the first two. Um, there's this one in Victorian England. The second one takes place in World War One, and it's some vampires have gone to Germany after the events of this book, and the Red Baron is a vampire pilot who's like single handedly like beating the ally, beating the, I guess, good side of World War One. <clears throat> so I it's... I really like uh books that have lore that is based on like real life. Um I like tabletop games that do that too, where they have like there is this uh there is this metaphysical explanation for these events that happened, um, but you don't know because you're a human. You're yeah. you're a regular person. And we have spoon fed yeah. you this history. So just I'm going to read the back of this book and kind of break down like the Easter eggs on it. 
uh, Savage New Era has arrived. It's 1888, and Queen Victoria has remarried, taking as her new consort the Wallachian prince, infamously known as Count Dracula. His polluted bloodline spreads through London as its citizens increasingly choose to become vampires. In the grim back streets of Whitechapel, a, kill a killer known as Silverknife is cutting down vampire girls. The eternally young vampire Guinevere Duan, that's a French name, and Charles Beauregard of the uh, Diogenes Club are drawn together as they hunt the sadistic killer, bringing them ever closer to England's most bloodthirsty ruler yet. So, the Diogenes Club is a Sherlock Holmes thing. And they actually have Mycroft Holmes in this book as like a point of contact for the people like doing the investigation. So it's I, like you, you have all of these Victorian novels just like smacked together and then like vampires. <laughs> Put it together and we're like vampires. It, and as someone who is more into the like Victorian England like era in general, I was when you're like, oh, she marries Dracula. And I'm like, uh-huh yeah she does but then you said she's remarried i'm like okay i'm i'm back on board because like she was obsessed with her husband albert and when you're like she remarried yeah. i'm like that adds a sinister layer to this because like she i don't like i know nothing about the books but it, there has to have been someone pulling strings on that because like that woman famously never stopped wearing black after her husband died like yeah. The, the the girl wrote the book on grieving one's husband <laughs> like uh, if so... it's anything further uh neil gaiman called this book glorious so oh shit i gotta read it now. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah it's like sherlock holmes uh dracula jack the ripper um like carmela and nosferatu are like referenced in it and like vampires from like lesser known vampire like literature from the same time period like show up it's like it's crazy it's it's really fun too because it's just a fun like detective story just in this backdrop and then we get on to the case of blatant copyright infringement <laughs> i was in barnes and noble one day when i noticed this book uh the looking glass wars where the card soldiers are obviously star wars battle droids oh yeah look at that 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 motherfucker Roger, Roger. Yeah, exactly. Roger, Roger, Roger. Roger, Roger. Um, but this takes the premise of Allison, Alice from Alice in Wonderland is real. She came from her dimension, met Lewis Carroll, and he wrote her story down, but turned it into a fantasy. And the story centers around her trying to get back to her kingdom. To get it back from the Red Queen. Her bodyguard is a man named Hatter Madigan. And he's like a, like a wall of a man. With like the top hat. And like just like assassin weaponry. And stuff like that. And it's like I need to go to Earth to get her back. And this was a fun book series. So there's uh, three books. Looking Glass Wars. Uh, Seeing Red. And Arch Enemy. Yep, I remember when those came. Yeah. Uh, to my understanding, they're making a movie based on this. I haven't seen anything about it recently. Um, but I remember it was fun and just like it has the cheesiest like tagline on the cover. It's just fantasy, just declared war on reality. <laughs> and I was like, cool, you get that from a generator? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an inspirobot. Yeah. I'm but, still um, just shook over the like rip from the fucking battle droids it i saw it i was like this is obviously copyright infringement like i and then you bought understand. it <laughs> and then and i did and then i read it. it and then i read it and i was like huh that's pretty good if they're gonna steal someone's like designs at least they're gonna make an interesting story and uh Dr. you might appreciate it the uh black company book covers are drawn by raymond swanland who does a bunch of like matching the mm -hmm. gathering cover art mm -hmm. so but uh, i have yeah opinions about the magic the gathering some of the magic the gathering uh novelizations but yeah that's i have a, opinions sorry go ahead. those are like my four big ones um i got like collections over there like i got stuff on like hp lovecraft who probably deserves his own episode Hatsune down the Miku. line yep Hatsune Miku. 
Um, I got a like the Foundation series from Isaac Asimov, which I've been reading. I have the they, first book they of that. Just made a show, which I probably want to read the books for before I watch the show. It's on Apple TV, and I think I still have my like one year subscription that they gave me when I got my new phone. Um, and then it's like I have some video game uh, novelizations, the Resident Evil books that I showed you all before stream. There's one's based on each of the games i think one two three and zero because i think these came out before resident Evil 4 did but there's like eight books or nine books in the series so there's these like in between stories that are just basically fan fictions it's a like, lot going on they take long like, drives at the end of almost every game if i remember one it's chris and barry investigate like an umbrella facility in utah and the tyrant in the book is basically like a t-rex like it gets i want to play that game what the hell why do they say i don't want to say wasting but why are they putting that in the book it gets it gets ridiculous and then there's like another one where it's like uh rebecca and i think leon like investigate like a lighthouse it's like let's take these resident evil characters and just throw them into situations it's a motherfucking situation but uh yeah, if you uh, needed a book to read, Haley, I would recommend the Anno Dracula series because also like these books are thick. <laughs> like, I'll eat it up, man. You don't. You, I'm a fast reader. They trained this, me in middle school to be read fast and keep comprehension high. This book is burger sized. So. What the hell? They sleep raging you in middle school. <laughs> so yeah uh, like i guess they piloted some like new technique in middle school where like a handful of us across learning levels were like chucked into this special elective class where they just taught us to speed read but still keep reading comprehension high to like improve our test scores and i can eat books because they taught me they're like here's how you can like read every fifth word and you'll still get a sentence in um which I I don't do any of that stuff now, like because if I, if I'm reading a book, I want to like enjoy the experience, but like I can still read really quickly and maintain it because they made me a sleeper agent in the middle. School. Fucking, that's like some government conspiracy shit. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty weird. It was a pretty weird experience we had. Uh, but is it is it my turn now? It is your turn. I it believe. Is okay, your turn. so all of your guys' books seem to fall into like general themes. Mine, I don't know if they do that so much. Um, I have four with like a bonus Jonas fifth one if we want to really dig into it. But I'll start with my absolute favorite book of all time. And this is the latest. Hi, I was in middle and high school during like the Disney Channel Renaissance. Cut me some fucking slack. Uh, Yeah, because it was uh, Joe, Nick, and Kevin, and the bonus Jonas, their other brother. I could get pedantic and say the Disney Renaissance was the 80s animations, but... Whatever. We're not talking about... I said Disney Channel. Disney That's Channel true. Renaissance. 90s and 2000s, but, Disney was lit. Mm-hmm. But, okay. favorite book of all time, A Great Departure from Disney, George Orwell's 1984. This is the newest copy that I got, because they did a new cover, and I thought it was really neat, because you can see it's like... It's got the recordy, the recordy light in the eyeball um this is my favorite book of all time um most of us probably had to read it in high school which is how i first read it i've read it like 70 bajillion times since then um it's to the point where so many people know that this is my favorite book because i don't shut up about how it's my favorite book that whenever like some political pundit talks about how whomever is the president is turning us into an orwellian society i get so many phone calls and text messages because they're like oh man someone's misusing the term orwellian Haley's gonna be really pissed off it's also like you've, uh, made a few video- you've also made a few videos about it on your own channel intent i have made quite a few i'm still working on those subliminal messages yes i i i am in the process it's been a multi-year endeavor and i need to actually get back to doing it uh, chapter by chapter analyses of this book because it's my favorite book. I haven't read this one, but the one that I have read is like destroyed because there's like highlights and pen marks and stuff. But 
for those of us who aren't familiar, um, I'll read, I'll read the back of it. Um, Winston Smith toes the party line, rewriting history to satisfy the demands of the ministry of truth. With each lie he writes, Winston grows to hate the party that seeks power for its own sake and persecutes those who dare to commit thought crimes. But as he starts to think for himself, Winston can't escape the fact that Big Brother is always watching. Uh, this was written in like the midst of the Red Scare, I believe. Um, I think by so. I think George 50s Orwell. Or, I think 50s or 60s. Yeah, and it was about how he thought the world was going to be in 1984 in, I believe it's probably like London or somewhere in the UK. Because, like, name an American who knows, like, what ministry is and not having the words of magic after it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, one of, I, I love this book, the themes of, like, the obvious themes of, like, political corruption, uh, the concept of, like, individuality and thought. Um, the one thing they weren't allowed to teach us in high school that I figured out when I read it after college was sexual repression as a means of control, which was very interesting and fun got to send some fun emails to my high school English teacher being like, were you just not allowed to talk to us about that? Cause it's like real obvious now that I'm an adult. She's like, um, but 1984, great book. Um, you will feel really sad. And, um, especially in these modern times, there are some parts of this book that echo accurate. Uh, but if someone says something is Orwellian, have, don't take it at face value. There was the, uh, there was the meme that went around. It's like 1984 is not supposed to be an instruction manual. Like, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah. The, I think like the classic book that's similar to that, that I've read recently is I finally got around to reading Fahrenheit 451. And oh, like that, so good. Uh, that book was really good. I was angry, though, because when I was reading it, I was halfway through the book, like the pages. And the book ended, and I was like, what the fuck is the rest of this? And it was like just a bunch of essays that the guy had written. And I was yep. like, bro, are you, telling me I bought, are you telling me I bought a 300-page book to only read 150 pages? <laughs> like, That's how they get you. That's how they get you. But in a complete departure from dystopian, we go to Howl's Moving Castle <laughs> uh, our... by Diana Wynne-Jones. Uh, most people have seen the uh, Studio Ghibli movie that was based on this book. Um, I saw the movie first, obviously. Uh, fantastic movie. One of my favorite movies. The book is leaps and bounds better. Like, oh my god. Uh, it's Mark, like, I don't want to give away too much, but it do you do find out that Howell is not a wizard. He is just a graduate student from Wales who doesn't want to write his dissertation. That is a joke that I remember seeing for this book. It's like Studio it's like Studio Ghibli made it seem so nice that he's like magical and everything when actually he was just a guy trying to tax evade. He was just <laughs> like, a guy trying to evade taxes and not finish his PhD. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, there's a scene was... where he brings Sophie and Michael, his assistant, who's like a grown-ass man in the book, and he brings them. He's like, oh, I have to go pick up something from my, my sister's house. And they, he brings Michael and Sophie into the magical kingdom of Wales. And his nephew or his niece is playing a video game. And Sophie and Michael are, like, fascinated. They're like, how does this magic box work? And they're like, you're not going to play my PlayStation. Like, it's hilarious. Yeah, like, this... Great book. Obsessed. It surprises me because, like, I'd seen the movie. Didn't know that it was by a non-Japanese writer. I thought it was like a Japanese novel that they had just translated. Didn't know that it was actually kind of recent in the 80s. I thought it'd be like one of those classic like 40s or 50s like fantasy books. Like something around the same time as like, you know, Wizard of Oz or something like that. So I was like, and then like, not magical, just tax evasion. Not magical, <laughs> so, just tax evasion. And I was like, why um, didn't you just make that the movie though? <laughs> like, I don't quote me on this, the internet, but... The same author has, a, I don't know if it's a sequel to this book, but it's called Castle in the Air. And I know nothing about it, but maybe her work was also inspirational for Castle in the Sky, but I don't know. Don't quote me on it. I haven't looked it up. This is the Without Context podcast. No, it's actually a, 
So I just I just looked it up. So I did. I when you said castle in, uh, castle in the castle sky, I was like, yeah. wait, is that? It's just it's castle in the sky. Uh, no, it's actually based on an Arabian Nights, apparently. Oh, uh, nice. I have that. Some Hal's Moving Castle characters as supporting characters, but uh, yeah, it looks like it's uh based more on Arabian Nights. So nice. Interesting. Next book. Next book. A recent addition to books that have ruined my life. Oh boy. I got bullied by TikTok into reading A Court of Thorns and Roses. And is it a good book? Objectively, no. Um, of all the books in this series, this is the worst one, in my opinion. Um, but did it get me out of a reading slump? Yes. Uh, did TikTok be, be like, oh my god, Haley, you gotta read this. It's so, it's so five peppers spicy. It's not. I would give it, like, maybe, like, a nibble of a jalapeno pepper in terms of spicy meaning adult content like do people fuck in this book absolutely is it anything like what you'd read in a fan fiction no way um adult content less than teenagers on the internet less than teenagers on the internet like i have a few thoughts on that and we'll get to that when you (laughs) oh my god i this book I read in six hours. I read it in six hours. And I had that included the time where I'd have to put the book down and like scream into a pillow because I was like, what am I doing with my life? Um, I'm currently on the fourth book right now because I have no self-control. Um, it's definitely a fun, like trashy read if you want to do it, like read something like that. Um, just suffer, suffer through this book because the love interest that gets introduced in this book and expanded upon in the other books kicks this love interest fucking stupid ass we hate him we hate him hate him but i digress and in another 360 we have ender's game by hatsune miku so we don't want to say that's so hard anymore no <laughs> this was written by hatsune miku i also hate that my copy is the one with like the movie the we movie poster on it. For the, for the audience, we shared a meme before the podcast started of uh, book <laughs> publishers giving me a book with the movie cover and then just throwing the plate down the hallway. In my defense, when I purchased this book, I was stuck on a extended layover in an airport, and this is the only kind that they had. Um, I loved this book the first time I read it. It was one of the first books to ever surprise me with a plot twist um like surprised me so much that i put the book down it had like an actual like existential crisis once i figured out what was actually going on very good um so glad that it was written by actual artiste hatsune miku um i'm so glad there is only one book that involves ender wiggin and there's no (laughs) weird sequels involving like Pick people that turn and... into trees or anything weird like that. I and that her other works down the line really stopped hiding. Um, uh, well, not Hatsune Miku. Hatsune Miku would never be homophobic or um, misogynistic or Islamophobic or xenophobic. So yeah, I'm just uh... glad that this is the only book that she ever wrote about Ender's Game or anything within this type of writing style from Miss Hatsune Miku. I had that moment in middle school i read it in like sixth grade it was like one of the first like novels i read because we had to do book report and everything so i picked it and i picked it from like a list of like most popular science fiction books so i picked it i read it i did my report on it it was like 11th grade i like reread it and i was like this book's about genocide it was like I... it's not about a, it's not about a video game spaceship it's, it's about not... a lot of genocide okay. Like it's a, it has the audacity to say this is not a game. <laughs> the audacity. Um, what a shitty tagline, actually. It also has the audacity to um, keep saying things like, "After all, Battle School is just a game, isn't it?" I'm like, Hatsune, Hatsune Miku. I my well, some of my big critiques with this book. I read it on the plane when I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. So I read it in the course of like a six hour flight. And I don't know if it's because I read it over the course of six hours. The pacing is very weird. It is weird. Like the majority of this book is Battle School, which is super interesting. Like Battle School is really fun. 
I'm not super pleased with how Petra Arcanian is portrayed and how like women in general in this book are portrayed, but like good old, good old Hatsune Miku. Um, it did feel weird reading it because even like being younger, I was like, she seems a little close to her, like a little brother. And I don't know if that's just like a weird, I don't know if that's like incidental to the writing of like how he was trying to portray the character, but it was like one of those things where I was like, Hmm. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna this is me stepping onto a soapbox. This has now become an Orson Scott Card hate account. And I read two other books by Mr. Orson Scott Card. Uh The Lost Gate and the Gate Thief from his like gatekeeper saga or some shit. Those books are so unreadable because there's three different types of characterizations. There's white boys, there's women, and there's not white people. And here's exactly what those three characterizations are. Flame me in the comments. I don't give a shit. Go watch the video on my YouTube channel. Some guy in there is like, this just sounds like the Midwest and not California. I'm like, mm, you're not making the point you think you're making, sir. <laughs> I think it is. <laughs> that is not the fact. But anyway, just the, uh, all the white it? boys are Full just strategy incredible. <laughs> All the white boys, including, like, the main characters, like, this, like, unspectacular 16-year-old that's, like, Loki reborn, which, like, should be really cool, is really shitty. Um, can do no wrong. Everything is absolutely perfect about them. Women. There's two types of women. There's two subcategories of women. Bitches and baby crazy. That's the only thing we have. Bitches and baby crazy. This girl is 16-year-old girl, which all of us have interfaced with. One of us has been a 16-year-old girl <laughs> in her life. When when bland, saltine, cracker white boy is like, I have to go to war. This 16-year-old child puts her hands on her lower abdomen and says, this is an approximate quote, but it has never left my brain, no matter how much bleach I spray into it. She's like, I like... It really hurts me that you're going into war and my womb is empty of your child. 16-year-old child! And I'm like, Orson, baby, what the fuck is happening? Well, I clicked the a little bit. <laughs> not, then we have not white people. So women can also be not white people, so they also can fall into this category, but they tend to be like the bitch woman. But the not white people are automatically... You cannot trust them. They're the bad guys. They're the drug dealers. They're the criminals. They're as soon as you see a not white people, you're like, oh, how is this character going to create conflict for the white boy? And I like how it they just describe white here. people. <laughs> it happens in here a little bit. Like you can still like determine a plot outside of like how he treats women between the two of them that are three of them that are there, his mother, which like, I forgot she existed till right now, his sister who is mommy and Petra who has to be a cool girl. And just rose the nose. You were, you were talking about how, like how, uh, how he, how the author described, um, People of color. I was like, that's just a background radiation in my life. It's, it's just... and then people have the audacity to say Orson Scott Card's not a racist. He missed the this point. This is the last of thing I'm going to say before I come <laughs> off of my soapbox. This is the last thing I'm going to say, and then I'll talk about my last book. I swear, like Scout's <laughs> Honor. He wrote an essay. Like, you can look this shit up. It is accessible on Wikipedia. Y'all can pull this up right now. He wrote, like, an essay or some kind of article about how Obama is a modern-day Hitler and is going to, like, be a modern-day Hitler. And I'm like, is it because he's a black guy, Orson? Is that why we're having this conversation, Orson? And then people have the audacity to come into my comments saying, like, not all of the country is written like California. And I'm like, oh my God, I'll give me one. I will read the comment. I actually, I don't like have a, it. Where's my phone? When you were describing like how he described, comment. when you were describing how he described like non-white people, I'm like, that sounds just like white people. <laughs> like Orson Scott Card can fucking lick my ass. I hate that dude. <laughs> I think he's even still alive and like, come at me, Orson. Like, this is an Orson Scott Card hate account. Um, That's your new Twitter me... name. <laughs> this oh, is yeah. an Orson Scott Card hate account. 
Oh, yeah. This man looks like he's been at a white supremacy rally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's why this book is written by Miss Hatsune Miku. <laughs> oh. Oh yeah, that man has absolutely that is been a, to a clan rally. That man that has is, absolutely been to a clan rally. That is a that is a sentence that like punched me in the gut. Read <laughs> so, it, homie. Read it to uh, me, baby. <laughs> okay, so there's apparently some like background information. I think uh he's also like related or uh, he's involved with uh the LDS church but the (laughs) last the last sentence of the like top bio uh Mormon fiction writer Stephanie Meyer Brandon Sanderson and Dave Wolverton have cited his works as a major influence and I'm like that explains a little bit oh my (laughs) god I feel like I'm going to unalive myself live on camera (laughs) oh my god card is the great great grandson of Brigham Young (laughs) what the fuck oh man this 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 podcast just took a turn that, well, that's a whole that's a whole con- different like episode that we have to do <laughs> so here's the comment that i got which no one go flame this dude in my comments uh where i talk about how orson scott card is misogynistic racist xenophobic homophobic every every phobic you could be that involves like another human being he's like mm-hmm. guess people just have different points of views didn't see anything racist or homophobic these people are written in the middle of the country not from california the problem with the books is that he brings in topics, characters, and just forgets all about them. The audiobook, he basically says it himself. He just kept changing how the book was supposed to go. That first point you made there, uh, person who was in my comment section, is not is not the like the the, the clapback you, you think that it is. When did this video of yours get posted? It got. I posted. Here's here's the best part. I posted this book or this video six years ago. And he commented on it one month ago. This man, it's like you've had like six years of like waiting for one in the chamber. I though. posted this <laughs> like... on January 7th, 2015 was when I posted this video about how you shouldn't read The Lost Gate and The Gate Thief because they're unreadable. And then he comments on my shit like September 2021. <laughs> Maybe he found you through our podcast. <laughs> well, he's about to unfind our podcast because I'm just like. There's a. Like, we've opened up a whole can of worms, though, finding out that Olsen Scott Carl is the great great grandson of Brigham Young. I'm going to have to read that's into this. A little bit later. That now. <laughs> so that's a whole different can of but worms. But anyway, explains a to lot. Add a to, the final, next book. <laughs> like, to add a final <laughs> twisted turn to my wild adventure of here's books that Haley really likes, we have this beautiful copy of Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen. <laughs> Copies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I have no explanation. Like, I have no, I, I have nothing. Like, even my webcam has given up. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do we go so, from talking okay give me a face again please so i've actually never read pride and prejudice so i actually want to hear about this because it's one of those things that's like it's a it's always talked about there are adaptations it's on lists of like books and i was like i have just not read it so so i am the first person to say that this book is not for everybody it is a specific genre of book where it's less about, for me, it's less about the plot and it's more about, it is an incredible detailing, like it's a fictional book, but it really has you step into the society and the era that Jane Austen existed in. And it really sort of, for me, paints a very apparent picture of where women stood so like socioeconomically, like sociopolitically or whatever in this era. And this was sort of like what she wished the world could be like, even just like slight modifications to it. Because this book, this book cost me $20, but look how pretty it is. For the dunce in the class, uh, what era and year like is this? So here's, here's where I get really stupid. Um, this would be like late 1700s, early 1800s. So like, so like the Civil region, War. what's considered the Regency period, um, when um, George the is it George the third, the guy who we didn't like when we became our own country, King George the third, 
he um suffered from a condition called porphyria which like hi i know too much about this period of history because i'm crazy um which was like an undiagnosed kidney disorder that made him a little bit cuckoo for cocoa puffs so his son had to step in and run the country for for him and that's literally literally if this dude did not have porphyria we may not have like i'm sure we would have rebelled at some point but the revolution wouldn't have unfolded the way it had because we were trying to negotiate with somebody who was incapable of rational thought at the time so that's just a fun little fact um this is about how someone got to marry for love instead of having to marry for money as like a political financial transaction um it's also my favorite movie of all time the 2005 Keira Knightley version um which is a very unpopular opinion apparently in the Pride and Prejudice fandom because everyone is like, no, 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 Haley. This the superior adaptation is the BBC miniseries. And I say, I see your BBC miniseries, and I say, it just looks ugly, and I want it to look pretty. So <laughs> shut I already, up. I already, <laughs> see, I, already, I already stated my opinions about the British. What's the deal? Like, I see your BBC. I raised you a Kira Knightley. <laughs> I see your BBC. I raise you. Actress of our era, Miss. I can make constipated look cute. I make. I make. Um, oh my she, god, consumption look sexy. Kira Knightley. Um, she, she was part of. But, the bi- she was part of the bisexual disaster that was Pirates of the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean. So. <laughs> but what I especially love about this book is that it has totally ruined my expectations for male characters. Because there's nothing like a male character who is written by a woman. So Mr. Darcy, which like, I'm not going to say spoilers because this book is um, Fucking like older than we are. 200 years old. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, as fuck. God, yeah, classifies. like she was born in 1775 and died in 1817. Like, there's no spoilers for a book that was published in like the 17 and 1800s, fight me. So Darcy... <laughs> Mr. Darcy is like this high class, like his social classes up here, Lizzie's social classes down here. These two people don't normally mix that often. He gets a crush on her and is a complete fucking introvert about it. Like he cannot make eye contact with her, cannot talk to her. Anytime she talks to him, he's just like a, puts his foot in his mouth, like a king we love. So and she isn't, isn't me during high school. <laughs> <laughs> he. And she puts him in his place because he, like, breaks up her sister's relationship because he thought he was acting the best interest of his friend. And she kind of, like, hands his ass to him because he proposes to her. He's like, put me out of my agony, girl. You are beneath me. All my friends are going to make fun of me. Your family sucks. I'm above you in social station. I've seen all these things, and I've decided I would like to marry you anyway, despite these obvious character flaws. And the bitch goes, LOL. No. And ruins this dude's life. And he's like, okay, I've clearly made some mistakes, which is like a revolutionary male character thought was admitting that they've made some mistakes. And he spends he spends the rest of the novel rectifying for his mistakes, including like taking down a predator in the community. Not before he was able to marry Lizzie's younger sister and like ruin everybody's lives, but he did he did take take care of that financially. Uh, fixes his uh, Lizzie's older sister back up with his friend Bingley, who we adore, and fixes a bunch of these other family problems, and then doesn't expect anything of Lizzie for it. He's just like, I was a shitty dude, and I've tried to make amends for my shitty behavior. I will see myself out of the picture, which like king behavior. And because he does all that, Lizzie's like, okay, maybe I misjudged you in- initially, and maybe you're not as much of a piece of garbage as I thought. And they get married, and that's the book. <laughs> man, man, my, displays, my man, displays, man displays human decency, gets married. <laughs> man displays human decency, gets married. War at 11. As as some as some people will say, it's not a a Jane Austen novel isn't over until there's at least one wedding, and it's a double wedding with Jane and Bailey and Lizzie and Darcy. Excellent. Um, but if you want to watch this in a way that is not as female gazy, 
uh, because the 2005 Pride and Prejudice movie is very female gazy. We don't need to talk about the hand flex of 2005. Shook, rocked the entire fucking, not even that. He, he helps her into her carriage. She was not wearing gloves, which was like, if a woman is not wearing gloves, your bitch ass hand better not be touching her hand. It is scandal for two people's ungloved hands to touch. So he helps her into the carriage with his ungloved hand on her ungloved hand. And she's like scandalized by the moment. No love. (laughs) As he's walking away. No, it's because he couldn't stop himself from being like, oh, let me help you because he's so in love with her. And as he's walking away, he realizes his like his entire emotional state is personified with a flexing of his hand, like and it's just a close-up shot of his hand, just going like, I will, I will demonstrate it now. Just that's the shot. That's the whole shot. And every time I see it, I scream out loud. Like you could show, like, you can give me Oscar Isaac fully naked in a chair in Dune. And I went, huh, neat. You have (laughs) Mr. Darcy flexed his hand with a sleeve to his wrist on camera for like two seconds. I'm going to have a fit of the vapors. Like. So I do that same hand motion too, after I've been typing for a long time, just. (laughs) Female gaze, female gaze. Um, but yes, Pride and Prejudice, a classic. Um, it definitely is a social commentary as well, which is always super fun. And um, yeah, the the book <laughs> journey you've taken me on is like this fucking roller coaster. <laughs> now, punched me in the gut twice. Based on what you know about me, were any of these books? No, 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 no. <laughs> these all absolutely track it's for like, you. It's like Doug is just like demons in london it's like dallas is like mostly vampires and some alice in wonderland <laughs> me let me tell like... you about social commentary and love <laughs> I, don't, I don't think i have like a type of book because i read very few and far between so like if someone like sends me a book and it's like hey you should read this i'll i'll read it yeah um, i've been trying to if i had uh... to pick one if i had to pick one of these books for you guys to read but I think you wouldn't game, so suffer through. It would probably be House Moving Castle. I would probably. I think you guys would read. suffer through this the least. If I wanted you to suffer the I'm most, suffering through a book, I might suffer through that. <laughs> I'll wait for the inevitable <laughs> teen movie version of that book. Yeah, it is the wild. That's a genre that I think people have really like, haven't capitalized on in movies is the teen fantasy novel like adaptation. Like pure, like sorcery fantasy. I have about YA lit. I had someone on TikTok have the audacity to tell me you should read this young adult series because it's super spicy. I'm like, and instead of saying no, you just got bullied by them. <laughs> no, this is this is new adult fiction. This is technically oh. I found this in the fantasy section of Barnes and Noble. She has a young adult series that I refuse to read because I am not a child, and if I'm gonna read like if I'm gonna have to go through like a I don't know if this is technically high fantasy. I guess it would count as that because there's magic and stuff. Um, if I'm going to have to suffer through high fantasy, people are going to fucking it. Make that a sound clip. <laughs> hey, you're the one that might be doing the highlight reels. So. <laughs> Future Haley, make that a sound clip. But, uh, but yeah, <sighs> I guess, uh, I guess that's we got it. some good time and good discussion on that. So I have, yes. I have one more uh, just question before we wrap up for good. And sure. I say that as one who needs to go in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, have have you any of you ever read a book that has actually like made you cry? I'm sure Haley has. Yes. Yeah, yeah, there I... it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. There it is. Um, the Fault in Our Stars. Um, wow. Books. I'm I'm a romantic. Okay, look. Ugh. If you have anyone be sad in a book, a bitch is gonna be sad. Okay. Eh. Um, the Forever War. Okay. It is a. Uh... I think it was made like around the time of uh, Vietnam. I think the author was around like around that time. This mm-hmm. book is soldiers are being sent to another planet to fight an alien race, and it does a whole like time thing with with warp speed. So when they come back, it's like a hundred years after they left. So it's just these soldiers coming and going, coming back to a world that they don't know and a world that doesn't know them. 
and trying to like readjust it's a commentary on soldiers coming back from war and it's like just the ending of it like hit like just in the right spots because like it's sad but it's kind of happy after you've seen this character go on this like journey and everything where he like comes back like 800 years after leaving the for the first time to a world that just is not even like something he recognizes anymore so mine would be atonement um it's a book about um world war ii it starts off before the war uh where the main character um bryony she's writing a memoir about her and her sister uh through world war one or world war ii and her older sister was like in a secret relationship with like a guy below their social status and Bryony misinterpreted a liaison they were having in the library as him assaulting her sister. So they had to like be separated and he had to go be in war and she was a nurse in London. They both get out of the war and everything. And there's a twist at the end. Like if you watch the movie, it's in the last five minutes of the movie that just, I have not been shattered like that by a book or a film ever in my life. And anytime I think about it, like if I think too deeply about atonement, like I just, oh my God, it fucks you up. But yeah, highly recommend uh... the movie. It also is starring our queen, Kira Knightley, our period drama queen, Kira Knightley. It also has James McAvoy of Mr. Tumnus fame and uh, Saoirse Ronan from Little Women's. That was one of her breakout roles and she was absolutely incredible in it. Now she's an action star. Uh, Charlie, I, I misread the name. <laughs> Charlie Theron and Sister Ronan like sound like very similar. different women. <laughs> yeah, very different. But uh, yeah, Forever War it just you? ends. It ends just simply with like a sentence. I just found out where we're going, and like when you like read the book and what that statement means, God, it just like makes you so happy. So, um, I'm gonna. I'm not going to talk about it, but I cried during Where the Red Fern Grows. That book is fucking sad. And the movie is also sad, too. But the book, I, I put my own, like, I pictured my own dog that I had at the time. It was awful. I was not okay. Docs are getting sent to the glue factory and Animal Farm fucked me up, too. Real good. We got to end Terabithia. the episode. Bridge to Terabithia. We Bridge to fucking Terabithia. The- Pretty sure both is up there. The movie, the movie broke me. We got to end the episode, though. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this wild and crazy episode of the Without Context podcast. Uh, if you want to follow each of us on any of our other socials, you can check those out in the description box below. Check out our flow code to find us on Spotify and some other uh, social media accounts associated with the podcast. Uh, I've been in Anxiety Lasagna. I've been joined by Decavolti and Sharky Hat, and uh, we'll see you next time. Everybody, wave. Bye, guys. Thank <laughs> you.